Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, ASU's playing in a place they're familiar with, being blown out by an L.A. school, about to face another L.A. school. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a successful pattern, uh, I guess somewhat successful. Um, you know, the, the back half has gone well, and and even uh, when you take away just the L.A. schools, and, you know, there's there's been a, a pretty handy beatdown uh, every year under Todd Graham, and every year they bounce back and won the next game, so we'll hope that that continues. For UCLA, led by Jim Moore, we've developed a nice little rivalry, uh, and I think it starts with the coaches. Now, obviously, there's recruiting overlap and that competition, which continues this week with uh, Greg Rogers coming in to, on an official visit to ASU. Yeah, yeah. But, but the Bruins come in, they're 3-2, and 1-1 one one in Pac-12 play. They just beat Arizona at the Rose Bowl last week. This is their first conference road game, but they have already gone on the road splitting with Texas A&M and BYU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be unfamiliar territory for them. Obviously, playing on the road, they, uh, you know, and and they've, you know, they've they've been here every other year, and they've had success here. Uh, the last couple times they've been here, they've won, and uh, you know, so uh, when you mentioned that rivalry, that you know, the road team has uh, has dominated the last four years, and and so uh, whereas the the pattern of bouncing back from a big loss has been good for us, the the pattern of home field advantage in this series has not been good for us. And we're going to see it come to a head pretty quickly this week because UCLA and Josh Rosen last year, the Todd Graham defense was able to get to Rosen, able to make things happen, uh, force turnovers, confuse him with the blitz schemes. This year, we're not blitzing, and he doesn't look confused. He's averaging over 300 yards passing. Yeah, and, and they, uh, you know, they, they, it seemed at least a little bit to me that they're offense might have clicked into gear a little uh in the second half of last week um at the half he was i think nine for 24 and they were only up 14 7 and that was on the heels of of only scoring 13 points against stanford which wasn't enough to win the game although probably should have been but um you know they had kind of been a little sluggish offensively and um you know they they got into gear in the second half last week scored 31 points rosen went over 300 yards and i think threw four touchdowns and uh, certainly that's a, a bit of a dangerous feeling because it's, it reminds me a little of what USC did. They were, they were out of gear and then they played Utah and they looked pretty good on offense. And then the next week they looked even better against us. That's for sure. I know we talked about UCLA after that Stanford loss where they had seemed to gear their whole team game plan to beating that, uh, right. to, to beating that team, to winning that game at the Rose bowl. And then it didn't happen, and you saw the emotions sort of spill out uh, yeah. during the TV broadcast. And, it, you know, we both sort of wondered aloud, would it be good to have played UCLA last week when they're coming off of this disappointing loss? And the answer was no for Arizona. I guess not. No, I mean, now, you know, now Arizona's coming, uh, you know, into this or through this season with a, with a very different um, – way of doing things than, than ASU. They've had a ton of injuries on offense and an offense that's been very sluggish and their defense has actually been better than it was last year. It, it would be hard to get worse. They were really bad on defense last year, but um, they've, you know, they've been a different sort of team than ASU so far. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. That's the way the schedule lays out. Um, you wondered if maybe you could catch them 
at the right time. But, you know, everything's still out there in front of UCLA. I mean, a, a playoff potential is probably out, but certainly a chance to win the division and win the conference is, is right there in front of them still. Yeah. And on the flip side for ASU, you know, UCLA's averaging 300 yards passing a game. ASU's defense is allowing over 500 yards a game, including almost 400 through the air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, even even before UCLA got rolling a little last week in the second half, I thought, well, you know, if you're if you're going to find your rhythm, ASU is the opponent to find your rhythm against. And and the fact that maybe they already did is uh, a little scary to think that you know if maybe some of their skill guys that were not were not very productive early in the season, um, you know, are, are coming into their own, then. Uh, then that's uh, that's a dicey proposition for this defense. And UCLA did something that would make Todd Graham proud. They flipped their arguably their top weapon, their top corner, Ish Adams, to the offensive side of the ball. Um, and and that's typical of a Todd Graham team. Uh, <laughs> on but for Todd Graham, he's got a lot of stuff he has to answer in the defensive secondary this week. This is the first time, you know. Winning cures a lot, and when we're winning, no one's talking about the fact that Gump Hayes is getting beat sure. like he stole something, sure. uh, and that sure. Bryson Eccles can't win the job from him, which tells you a lot about Eccles. <laughs> right. you know, now is the first time we're seeing a lot from the <laughs> local media, from the ASU Twitter, about what are we going to do in the secondary this week? Yeah. Who is yeah. going to step up? Who's he going to replace? Is he going to have to move Mokiola back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh... You're right. I mean, because because I I wouldn't necessarily say the defense was in, you know substantially worse last week than it was against Cal or against Texas Tech, but the offense was not nearly as good, and so that exposes your defensive holes even more. When your offense could score fifty, you know you think, well, boy, that defense is they're making plays when we need them, and and even if they're not making very many, it's enough. Um, last week was was not a good week offensively, and and. Uh, you know, I think the the issue, quite honestly, is that there's there's not an easy fix. This is not a, you know, this is not a situation like in in other sports or other levels where you can make a trade or or acquire somebody off waivers. That you know, it, this is the team you got. There's nobody coming in to save the day. Um, you might try some other guys, but of course, you always wonder, you know, if you're if you're trying other guys who've been on the roster and they're not playing now when the defense has struggled so much. Well. Are they really any better? Probably not. Now, you never know. Um, maybe they will be, but uh, these guys have been there, and they haven't been in the lineup, so it makes you wonder. I think the attention is focused on Mar- Maurice Chandler, and what, yeah. he, what will he contribute? Because he showed up from junior college, highly touted. He was injured in spring ball, uh-huh. didn't play much in fall practice. He's been limited to special teams. Is he, you know... He's being talked about as if he's the savior of this secondary. And really the question is, is he a replacement level corner? Because we need that opposite Kareem Moore. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no savior. There's no savior out there. It's it's it, there's not one thing or two things or three things that can be done to make this defense go from where it is to really, really good. That's just not going to happen. But but it's it's the hope that maybe he can stabilize things a little bit. Um you know, now you mentioned, yes, he was touted out of junior college. So was Jamarcus Rhodes. And he's been in there and he's not been very good. Um, That's and, only and if just, tackling's important. He's right, very exactly. good at touch football. Yes, he is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we've seen, you know, we've, we've been through this with junior college players where their first year, they don't have much impact. And then 
sometimes, not every time, obviously, but sometimes that second year is a major leap. And, you know, you just have to hope for the future that with those two guys, that'll be the case. But um, I don't know, you know, I mean, pinning your hopes on him and, and a, and a true freshman in Kyle Williams, who was playing receiver for most of the fall until, you know, they moved him with maybe a week or two left until the season. And now it's, there's talk that he's going to maybe be playing more at safety. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose it's the only moves you have left to make, but it's it certainly moves out of a, a sense of desperation, and those usually don't work out well. I mean, Kyle Williams is sort of analogous to Gump Hayes in that he didn't play right. corner before, right. and, and he didn't right. play corner in high school. He's yeah. a receiver yeah. returner who we're yeah, just putting exactly. there. And, and, you know, he just doesn't have the instincts. You wouldn't think. Now, you know, maybe maybe he does and maybe he's going to be a gem that, that we'll, we'll stumble upon. But, um, you know, again, we've talked about this in other circumstances. I, you know, most of the time those things don't work out that way. Sometimes they do, and when they do, you remember them and you celebrate them and you say, oh, man, remember when that guy came out of nowhere and he ended up being a really good player. But the large majority of the time that doesn't happen. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations with this team this year. They're not, they're not going to be good on defense. Um, there is no, there is no quick fix to this. Um, and, and it's just going to be a struggle probably the rest of the season and, and maybe even going forward after that. And one of the problems that we're going to have going in against UCLA is Manny's Manny Wilkins is probably out with his leg injury. And, and so you can't rely on the offense. I mean, Zane is still there, and Zane is great. But, right. you know, let's let's talk about Manny for a second. You and I were joking uh, during the last time we talked, and we've joked via text since that, you know, Todd Graham's going to be tight-lipped. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> and he said Manny's leg injury wasn't serious, which led us to say, well, does that mean it's not being amputated? Is he not dying? <laughs> what What is yeah, not serious yeah. for Todd Graham? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to injury reporting – uh, you can't read too much into it. And, and, you know, just in the, in the bigger picture, I guess, in some ways, or, or, you know, in a, in a weird coincidence type of thing, boy, does this feel a whole lot like the last time UCLA came in here. We had our starting quarterback get hurt the game before. Um, we were given not much information as to what was wrong with that starting quarterback, but just to accept the fact that he probably wasn't going to play that game and others into the future. And he didn't, he ended up missing three. Um, and, and we played a, a backup quarterback who really had never seen any meaningful time until the, you know, latter half of the last game and didn't play well in that time. And we're really hoping that things are going to click on and, you know, Burko put up really good numbers in that game, but he also made killer mistakes and we got our doors blown off. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that's where the coincidence ends is just in the pregame buildup, but uh, there's a lot of similar feelings to the last time we hosted the Bruins. Well, you got to be concerned uh, when you listen to Doug Haller's Pick 6 podcast, and he's talking to Metcalf, and, and both of them said that if Bryce Perkins was healthy, they would expect it to be him, and they were wondering <laughs> if they were going to pull the red shirt off Dylan Sterling Cole, and it, it really speaks to how little we know about Brady White. I mean, he came in h- higher ranked on ESPN than both right. Sterling Cole and Manny, yeah, but he's yeah. a he's a passer, not a runner, as far as we know. But right, exactly. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't we don't know much about him. I mean, uh, you know, my my thoughts on him are are. I mean, I have several. Um, you know, one is it, it 
it's one of those things where I I think you have to trust that they they didn't predetermine this quarterback position. I don't think. You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, okay, competition, but the coaches kind of have in mind who they want. We didn't get that feeling. And Manny won the job. And he played well since he won the job. And so I think you have to keep in mind that he's this guy's obviously a downgrade from Manny in, in some way. I don't know what way that is yet, but you know, you have to figure they know what they're doing. Um and yeah, he's not apparently the runner that Manny is, and we've we've seen you know, in the games that the offense has played well, Texas Tech and Cal and really NAU as well, um, Manny running has been a big factor, um, you know, especially against Cal when the offense was kind of stagnant in the first half. We kind of got rolling with his running ability. So that's kind of out the window. Um, and then I think you throw in the fact that he, to me, he did not look very impressive against USC early on. Now he led a couple of drives late, and that's all well and good to show effort. But it, I don't know that it really means anything. I mean, it was USC's second team, and, and I think it, it means something in that he shook off the jitters eventually, and his talent showed through eventually. But, yeah, and, you know, I also hearken back to the fact that the first team wasn't all that impressive with no, Manny at the helm either. So It wasn't. No, not in that game. It was not. You're right. Um, you know, but, uh, I, you know, we're – what we're hoping for is one of those situations where, and it happens in sports sometimes where everything points you one direction and then you see the game and you think, boy, what we thought was not the case to me. Everything is pointing in the direction that we're in some trouble this week because I don't think our offense will operate as efficiently as it has, as it can. Um, because again, I, I, I put my trust in the fact that the coaches who saw this competition over the course of several months, made the right decision and they went with Manny for a reason and now he's not there. And, and so then it comes back to a defense that really is not very good. And, and it, you know, it reminds me a little of how I felt going into Texas tech that I just don't know if we could score enough points to keep up. I'm not saying we're going to have to score 60, but uh, you know, the game comes down to who scores more points and between our leaky defense and an offense that I think is going to be shaky with a backup quarterback, I'm not feeling great about that. I absolutely agree. I'm very concerned about the offense, especially we've had banged up running backs both of the last two weeks. You know, Richard had to – it's one of those things where, in retrospect, it's very easy to say, well, look, the game got away from us, and what's the point of putting Demario Richard back out there if he's hurt? But I'm not convinced that if the game was close, Richard could have played – and he didn't play because it was a blowout. So right. you're, you're left sort of wondering what's up with his ankle or lower leg. Balage, you know, he yeah. played he played through the injury against Cal, which is great. But then he missed practice time before the USC game. He, yeah, he did not look. Neither of them looked particularly dominant against USC. Obviously, no, they did not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that was a big story of the of the game when the game was, was, you know, up for grabs in the first half was we couldn't get our running game going at all. And, and then obviously losing Manny didn't help and losing Richard didn't help. You know, two of your three best running options were, were out for all or, or most of the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, that it just, it just becomes a concern without him and that threat of running. And, and again, that all comes with the caveat, the asterisk that we don't know exactly what Brady White brings to the table as a runner. Um, but it doesn't look 
great. You know, uh, it's just not supposedly a strength of his game from people who've seen the practices. And and again, if he was the equal as a runner, he might have won the starting job, and he didn't. Um, so, you know, I I, I was going to say this to you in the last couple of weeks before the injury, and and I don't know that we ever discussed it, but you know, Brady staying around was big for this year um, because you don't want to have a true freshman backup. And but then you've got this kid that's redshirting this year. He, you know, it's all it's very likely Brady's not long for this program if Manny continues to play well. Uh, but then again, this is his chance. If he goes out and he plays well, and Manny misses two or three games, and Brady White plays well and and wins those two or three games, well, then then the whole future forecast kind of changes. Well, I mean, you saw that in the pros with Kaepernick replacing Alex Smith, and yeah. and at a certain point, if you're if you are that dominant and you are that good, the coach will say, "Look, I can't in good conscience take you out now." Sure, sure. I mean, this is his opportunity. He you know didn't win the job, um, but now he gets the opportunity to play and and you know show that maybe he's he's uh, got ability in games that he didn't necessarily show in practices. There are guys who do that. Um, you know, so this is his chance. I, I still think long term, he's probably not here next year. Uh, I think you know Manny is the is the starter for the short term future. You know, this year and and probably next and the year after if everything goes well. And then you've got either Sterling Cole or or theoretically Ryan Kelly that can you know take over for him. Um, that's probably the long term plan, I would guess. When you've got uh, the you've got the wild card of Bryce Perkins. You do, yeah, yeah. I mean, thing is, Brady White was, you know, like you said, he was a highly regarded recruit. I mean, in, in one listing, um, he was, I think it was scouts listing, he was the number two pro-style passer in his class, number one being Josh Rosen. So we're going to see a showdown of the two of them this week. Um, and and so it's not likely he's going to stay around and wait four years to be a starter, a la what Burko did. That was unusual for him to do it, as we talked about many times. So... You know, it was important for him to stay invested for this year, and and now we see why. Because Manny did get hurt, and now we need that guy, and and this prevents us from having to throw a true freshman into the fire. And, and that statement comes with the caveat of, what do you do if something happens to Brady? Do you have just to play him? Do you, uh, or, I, mean, uh, I mean, because the, your options are, as I see it, for this, if it's a one week thing, if if right. Brady gets hurt. You know, something happens and he jams his thumb and he's yeah. out for a play. If it's one play, I think you just put Balazs in and you see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the if, if, you know, if you're talking about the fourth quarter and you're, you know, if you're down by three scores and Brady White gets hurt and you need somebody to just take some snaps, you know, you don't want to do it in that situation. But, you know, if Brady White gets hurt in the first quarter of this game, I, I think you have no choice but to go with Sterling Cole and, and and just live with it, you know. I mean, it's not the situation you want to be in, and and I will tell you, uh, there's a possibility that on Saturday night we'll be sitting in the stands and we'll we'll be openly discussing whether or not we should be tearing the red shirt off of Sterling Cole anyway. I think that possibility exists, um, but you know, the wise part of me says don't do that. The fan in me might say differently in the midst of the game. Well, and what it what matters is not just for that game but let's say we drop this game to ucla we're still four and two sure and and if and if brady's ineffective and manny's leg injury is not fatal but is multi-week still yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, this season, you know, the only, the only thing we lost last week was undefeated. Yeah. And, and there's no reason why you wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't want to wait and see what happens. Exactly. So, um, I think it's time to get to predictions. Okay. I am, I'm not confident. I'll say that. I'm not either. I think that we will lose. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and I think we're going to lose by multiple scores. I am taking UCLA 45-28. I think that our defense looks leaky. I think that we see Rosen for three quarters only. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's possible. You know, and I just, that's just, I just think that it's not going to go well. And I think what I'm hoping for is if it, if it doesn't go well, since I will be there and you will be there, that maybe Zane can break the field goal record. That's true. That's true. I should factor that into my prediction because uh, mine's pretty similar. I, I was going to go. Uh, I was going to go forty-five twenty-one, but I'll I'll adjust it to forty-eight twenty-seven. Okay. So you so we get those two field goals. Well, I hope that happens. I yeah yeah. You know, I very much want to see. Um, I want to see it happen. Yeah, it'd be cool. He needs he needs what two to tie or two to break. I think he needs two to tie. That's what I thought too. Three yeah. to break. Okay, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully we can get enough offense going to at least have chances to kick field goals. That would be awesome. You know, if nothing else, getting to see them uh, would be pretty cool. Yes. It, it. Look, I hope we win. I'm going because I want to see us win. Oh, sure. But, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the realist in me, I picked this as a loss. I did too. And, you know, that was when I thought our full compliment against their full compliment. If you're telling me it's their full compliment against the backup quarterback, the leaky yeah. secondary I've seen where we don't know three of the four uh, positions right. back there. Basically, it's Kareem or... I would assume Armand Perry. Yeah. And then who knows on the other side. Um, right, right, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I had UCLA being better than this. I thought, you know, at the beginning of the year, I had this as a loss because I thought UCLA was really good. And then in the last couple of weeks, I thought, maybe we can win. But now I, I just don't like the setup. No, not at all. Um, Do you think that – we see more blitzing and more aggressive defense after what happened last week and, and really this season of sitting back. And I think, as you put it, we're not giving up the big play, but we're just giving up short passes that become giving big up plays. The big play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what to forecast with that. It doesn't seem like that's what they want to do this year. And I see the rationale. It's just not working the way it's supposed to work. I mean, look, if we were forcing teams to go on 15, 16 play drives and, right. and you know, basically betting that somewhere in there they'll make a mistake, they'll drop a pass, they'll throw an interception, something good happens. Okay, uh-huh. but but that doesn't work if on play three your corner gets sealed off on a block and your safety tackles the air and the guy's right, gone. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you have to do the little things well 
to be that kind of defense and make the opponent do the little things well. But we're not doing that. We're, we're allowing the big plays, even though we're designing our defense not to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically like we've set up for, a, you know, to prevent our Achilles heel, which is great, except it just rears itself in a different way. Yes, basically it has been that way, yeah. Um, so before we peel off of this uh, conversation, an interesting thing happened, and I'm not looking to you for a legal opinion on what you think, but just as, as far as if it'll be a distraction and what you think will happen. I saw that today a lawsuit was filed by Tom Sullivan, who used to play for the UCLA Bruins uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, and he's seeking to, to certify a class action against the NCAA and the Pac-12 on behalf of every Bruins player from 1959 to 2010 related to concussions. Ah, okay. This is, you know, the NCAA, I saw, issued a statement that basically read something like, and I'm paraphrasing, this is a copycat of a kind of litigation that is not going anywhere. Um, but I, I'm not sure it's not going anywhere because the NFL one, while it's still in limbo, seemed to have worked to some result. Uh, yeah, agreed. And, and I've been waiting for colleges and high schools both to be exposed to this type of thing. And I, I think slowly but surely that's happening. I, I do think that one of the things that's interesting is the period that he's seeking ends in 2010. And I and the reason why I think that's interesting is that's about the time when, you know, the Sports Legacy Institute and mm-hmm. all of the information came out about CTE and about this concussion issue and the, you know, the repetitive low impact trauma, the sub-concussive impact and how bad that can be. So right. I, I think now we're starting to see a window where – if you're the NCAA, I'm not saying that you are happy about this, and I'm not saying you try to settle this, but what I am saying is this might be good to know that you're kind of in the clear because everyone's going to sort of accept that you assume the risk after 2010. True, true. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this kind of thing goes. So otherwise, you know, the rest of the college football slate this weekend is uh, decent, not great. The best game, as you and I talked about, might get rained out with the hurricane. Um, if we had any listeners in Florida, I would say, please stay safe on the East coast. (laughs) And I still feel that way, even though none of you are going to hear this. Right. Um, if that game happens, it's a big game for Mark Richt. It is. And, and Miami looks legit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they, they are a a definite contender in that division and, and could be a, a real tough obstacle for either Clemson or Louisville in the ACC championship game. I'm almost starting to regret all my anti-Brad Kaya commentary. Almost. Me too. Me too. I mean, this is this is the type of game, and there's going to be a couple more for him that I've been waiting for him to win. That was my point with him, along with Jared Goff, was, you know, win the big games. Do something really big with your team, and hasn't done it yet, but he's got the opportunity now. Yeah. I mean, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, Florida State needs this. Miami needs this. This is a great rivalry game. And, yeah. I, you know, hopefully they can get it in. If they can't, I, I hope that they can make it up and they don't just yeah. skip it this year. But, you know, other than that, you know, the conference games for the Pac-12, I guess Colorado-USC is interesting. 
is opportunity for Colorado to continue to show they're serious. Uh, you know, I mean, they're the only undefeated team left in the division, and and that's a chance for them to take a step forward. Obviously, yeah. And otherwise, you know, I'm not I'm not overly interested in the slate this week. You no, know, I, I mean the big one is is I guess Washington and Oregon just for Washington's perspective, because it's been so long since they beat Oregon, and this is the hurdle they have to clear. Yeah. Um, but they should. The way they played last week, they, they should handle their business and go in there and win. I mean, this is uh, – they're still on the win the decade hashtag in Oregon. So Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – and Oregon's apparently going to go to a true freshman quarterback this week, apparently. So mm-hmm. uh, that's an interesting move and, you know, could be throwing him to the, to the Wolves – uh, no, no pun intended there because Washington's defense is pretty good. Does this, so what does this move mean to you? Is it either a la Dennis Erickson with Brock Osweiler saying, oh, this is what you want? <laughs> Fine, I'm going to play him this week when he's got no hope. Or is this Mark Helfrich saying, I'm in a lot of trouble and I need a guy who I recruited who's not a fifth-year senior transfer to come in and play well because my job's on the line. Yeah, it, it's funny that you made that comparison to Osweiler because I thought of that. Um, but I think it's probably more the latter because nothing builds hope for the future like a freshman quarterback playing well. And if he goes and plays well, even if they don't win, if he shows promise, then it's like, hey, things are pointed in the right direction. Don't worry. Yeah, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I so mean, I think it's probably more that, but it's it's a tough spot to go in. Boy, I mean, they they are a very good team, and and that's not an easy game to make for your first start. I mean, they just took apart Stanford, who was everyone's presumptive conference champion. Right. So, you know, but other than that, I, you know, I feel like that pretty much covers everything I have, unless there's any other games you want to talk about. Texas no, and I Tennessee, I guess. I guess we'll see. Uh, t- Tennessee can keep up the magic uh, from the last couple of weeks, especially going going into College Station will be tough. But I'm not I'm not ruling them out. I mean, they after that win in Georgia, they they seem like the kind of team that's uh, got a little bit of the touch of destiny on them right now. Yeah, they do definitely. But next time you'll hear from us, we'll be live on podcast. From Tempe. That's right. <laughs> uh, after the UCLA game, where Matt and I will probably be breaking down the game from his car on the way back from Excellent. Sun Devil Stadium. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.